You know our slogan around here is better practice, better life. But we're taking this belief to the next level. And we've recently announced the creation of a new association. It's called the Best Practices Association. Our association celebrates the mindset that is better practice, better life. This mindset celebrates time, healthy living, personal growth, clinical excellence, and impacting the lives of your patients and your team through intentional leadership. In fact, we are the work-life balance experts in dentistry. The BPA will coach independent dental practices like yours to thrive by sharing best practices and operational habits, behaviors, systems, tools, and insight that lead to profitability and sustained growth, and you can still have a life. So if you're a dentist that wants to surround yourself with great thinkers, let us help you create your own version of Better Practice, Better Life. Go to actdental.com forward slash BPA or hit the link in the show notes. Yo, yo, yo. Hey, guys, welcome back to another awesome edition of the Best Practices Show podcast. My name is Kirk Barrett, where we find the best experts in all of dentistry to give you some great information to help you create a better practice and a better life. And have you ever thought to yourself, should I add an associate? Maybe I should. Am I ready for an associate? Well, if you have those questions, I brought in the master today, Paul Slutton, who I have known for a very long time. And we help you answer the question, should I add an associate? It's an awesome addition. So hope you enjoy it and we'll see you soon. Welcome back to the Best Practices Show podcast. I love that you're showing up here. And uh, as you're going to see, I'm bringing some of the best minds in all of dentistry to help you make some decisions and create a better practice and a better life. Have you ever thought to yourself, I don't know, should I add an associate? Maybe I'm ready for an associate. Um, What should I do? Well, a lot of you have those questions. And I brought in the master himself, Paul Slutton. Paul, thanks for being here, buddy. My pleasure. Good to be with you. So good to be with you. I was joking before we hit the go button. You know, selfishly, I love these because I get my own personal CE session with the master here. So, like, uh, you're just uh, you're just an incredible friend, colleague, um, great advocate, a voice of reason. So, just so you guys know, and Paul, I want you to do a little bit of intro yourself. But uh, I've been doing this for 25 years. There's a lot of stuff that happens as practices grow transition, adding associates, you know, um, unfortunately passing away things. There's, there's things that happen in dentistry and Paul's my guy. So I, I call Paul and Paul is just the voice of reason and helps me think through this. And he's going to help you guys today. But Paul, I want people to hear from you. Who is Paul Slutton? Give us a little bio. I am. I grew up in a dental family in Minnesota and uh, didn't become a dentist myself, but I ended up starting a consulting company uh, in Colorado. And it, it, it happened right at the time when we were, uh, when the state of Colorado was beginning to say, this is in the mid seventies. Uh, it happened that lenders here were saying, we will no longer lend you money to do a scratch start. We will lend you money to do a, uh, 
to buy a, a quality practice. And, and so I didn't know how to put a value on a practice. I didn't, uh, uh, you know, know how to do transitions. So we just, so we just got in the, excuse me. I love your ring too. That's pretty cool. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, so we just got into the uh, business of learning, along with a couple CPAs and banker and a, an attorney, and and jumped into the trenches and started doing them. And uh, that's a long time ago, and we're still doing them and having a blast doing them. We get to work with people at really important time in their lives. They're having to make huge decisions about what they're going to do with their practice going forward. So we we totally specialize in practice transitions, helping people plan them and implement their plan. Yeah. And you do it extremely well. And today we're going to be talking about a component of that, which is adding the associate. Now we're going to leave space for this. You actually do an associate feasibility analysis at the end. If you're wondering like, gosh, I need to figure this out, but you have been fielding a lot of calls as I have of dentists thinking, yeah. Uh, and so, first of all, w let's talk about the why. What's the nature of these phone calls that you get? I had two of them this week, and and they were similar. Uh, one was a specialty practice, another was a general practice, and they were both asking the same question: how How do I know when or if I'm ready to add an associate? Mm -hmm. And the one uh, party had had uh, some unsuccessful adventures with attempting to add associates and didn't want to do that, do it that way again. Yeah. Uh, so, and there's a, when you're in solo practice and you see so many other practices going to a group model, multi dentist, multiple dentists in the, in the practice, uh, some people get anxious about being in a solo practice because they're hearing so much out there, uh, about the, the solo practice has a dismal future and and it's going to be extinct you know in the relatively near future and and i know you and i don't agree with that at all not at all mm -hmm. it's the constant evidence of 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 how wonderful solo practice can be yeah if it's done the right way yeah if it's done the right way i totally agree now i want to preface this by saying you know, as I get older, I tend to put my biases on things and I know that. So like, if you're listening to the podcast, you know, I love this profession. I love the freedom of choice. I love, and I am also, I like a simple life. You know, I'm one of those people where I don't want 92 employees. That's not my thing, you know, but I also need to respect that other people do like that. And I guess the message would be this. Don't let somebody else decide how you want to practice. You can take everybody's input, advice, everything. But if you're the dentist who really likes a simple, like quiet practice with, you know, a few team members, you like to crush it, have a great life, um, go for it. If you like a lot of doctors and that's your game and you like growing associates, go for it. But you got to have the right perspective. Um, so we're going to get into this, but I, I want to just hammer home what you said. We coach a lot of solo practices and they're all crushing it. And I will put the numbers behind it because they uh, they have plenty, I, and I do mean plenty to do in this great world and in this great profession. Um, 
I, I think we should ask this question. And I mean, I, I, there's probably too much information on the internet on this one. Keen Waters publishes these statistics that between 70 and 90% of all partnerships and, and associateships fail. Um, and I don't have all of the, the, the granular aspects of that, but would you say those numbers are pretty high? Um, is that consistent with what you see? Um, I would say they're over half. Over fail. half. Okay. Tell us why. Yeah. And I, they don't have a plan. They don't have a plan. Those transitions have just been, in the most cases, slapped together. Um, I think I need to add an associate. Oh, there's one. Uh, let me have a conversation with you. And and pretty soon they're working together. And and the owner, the host doctor, did not have a plan. And in, in order to, one of the hugely important components of a success, putting a successful transition together. By the way, 80% of our associateships work. Right. And I can guess why. I mean, I don't need to guess why. It's it's done the right way with the yeah. details and agreements and boundaries, right? Right. Exactly. Exactly. So it, everything flows, though. The component is that everything flows from the owner's plans. So in order to, we do a feasibility <clears throat> study, which we'll talk about, but everything begins with the owner having a transition plan and an updated life plan. Okay, so go a little deeper on that. So if I'm starting down this path, I'm gonna ask this question, what are those two things? Okay, so you, you uh, I had a conversation on Wednesday of this week, and my question back to the, to the potential new client that called us was how long, how much longer do you intend to practice and at what pace mm. do you want to uh, retire? When you do retire, do you want to retire abruptly? In other words, work, work really hard at this current pace until you're done and then leave. Do you want to phase out? Is your practice large enough and robust enough that it would allow you to phase out? As, to, as compared to leaving abruptly. And, and that's when they start talking about their plans and their life plans. And this person told me I wanna practice another 10 years. Okay. I said, well, this is the perfect time to be talking about all this. Right. Because you've got enough lead time to accomplish an awful lot uh, in the next 10 years, but we, you have to get on it. Right. And so, and so a practice transition plan uh, <clears throat> excuse me, always includes the associate feasibility analysis because they need to know, can you support an, another doctor in your, in your current setting? Yeah. Can you do it in the physical plant? Can you do it with, a, with, with an ability to be able to feed and help them build a productive schedule? Right. First year, not by handing them all of your production, but by, but by helping to grow the practice so that they can become productive. Yeah. If, if that doesn't happen, the whole thing is going to blow up. Yeah. And I know we're going to get down in the details, but in generalities, I mean, just general, you know, neighborhoods, what's typically the amount of time when you do find the right associate where they start paying for themselves? Like it was a good decision. There's some lead time in that, correct? Absolutely. I would say nine months. Nine months, okay. 
and, that, and there's some flex to that. It could be six to 12 months, but it's got to happen in the first year. Right. It needs to happen in the first year. Okay. Talk about why. Cause I totally agree with that. Why? Simply because if you're going to, what you're trying to do when you add an associate, if they're going to have the ability to, to take an equity position later to buy in or buy you out, you've, they've got to be on a path where they're starting to generate enough income and they can begin to see the light that they would be able at some point to be able to afford to buy in. Mm-hmm. Simply stated that they would uh, that they would be able to make the payments uh, on their portion of the practice overhead, that they would be able to retire their note and make their note payments on school loan debt, and that they would have a good living income remaining after those obligations are met. Yeah. And, and so part of the part of what we do is we talk to them about the an approximation of the value of the practice and to be updated later. And uh, so that they begin to have an understanding of, of uh, what's going to be required. Yeah. You know, and, and we help them make it help the practice owner and the incoming doctor uh, set some goals that would have the the new doctor producing at a certain level for four months in a row that would create a trigger point and allow them to begin to buy in. Yeah, I love it. So I've got some other questions too, just to dispel sure. some of the myths, because I get to see the good, bad, and ugly of all of this. Yeah, I'm sure. When you're courting or actually talking to an associate, you know, you've got the different paths. Are you talking equity up front? Because there are some dentists that are like, no, I've never talked about that. You know, and I'm like, you've never even mentioned that? They've never mentioned that? So it becomes an unspoken elephant in the room. And then let me make this more complicated because I like to do that. And then you always make it more simple. You know, I've had dentists that take on an associate. And they're like, wow, this person's a real go-getter. And I'm like, that's awesome. Yeah, they're asking me for equity already. And I'm like, well, that's what a go-getter does. And then I've had the other side of it where they're like, yeah, I have this associate who doesn't really want to work a whole lot and um, just wants a just wants a job. And so how's that going? And they go, yeah, well, they're not really driven, you know. And so you kind of yeah. get what you get when you're having these conversations. But my point is, how clear are we up front about how this is going to go if I'm the seller? We are very clear. How clear? Crystal clear? (laughs) Yeah, well, there are some approximations that will have to be addressed because the numbers will be different later. Right. In terms of impacting the valuation. But we let them know that we're not looking for an associate. We're looking for a young doctor who wants to be an owner, Mm. but will be an employee in the initial phase of the relationship. Right. So we set it up that way so that they're thinking about themselves becoming an owner in the practice. And uh, we don't want people to come in and try it. Right. But, you know, they're, they, they're going to have a period there where that while they're an employee, where they will have the chance to stay or leave. And, and uh, but we talk to them and we help create a clear pathway to ownership. Okay, so let's 
let's go there because, and I, I always like to have fun in this podcast, so don't get mad. Okay. Mm-hmm. So I love what you said. We're not going to try it. It's kind of like saying, I'm going to try this marriage thing. Let me just, I'm going to try it. No, when you get married, you got to be like all in. Um, so I w- will eventually get to the values piece because your values have to line up with this person because if they don't line up, you're you're screwed from the get-go, no matter how good they are or flashy or whatever. The second piece of it is, is now, you know, you're talking about giving the expensive money. Like one thing is to pay a salary. When you start giving the E money, which is the equity, that's like the, that's the big time investment. So you want to make sure that when we're going down this path, we've had plenty of runway, we have a plan, and now we're going to go into the e-money, which is the really expensive money. And it's a good investment for you if all the boxes have been checked, correct? That's right. So their ability to buy in is going to be dependent. It's going to be conditional on a highly successful initial employment phase, okay? It's not automatic. Okay, the two years is up, I get to buy in now? Right. You know, that's not the way it should be set up. Okay. And and a highly successful initial employment phase really needs to be defined. All right, let's define one. Just, we'll just make one up here. So typically with those initial employment um, phases, what, what are you thinking that the nine months or the year? Yeah. Yeah. So, you know, you're going to have to produce this much in this time. And then if if expectations aren't met, then we have a sit down of some kind. Absolutely. Or maybe long before that. Mm. And, and they have to be able to get along with the team. The team has to, has to like them right. genuinely and <laughs> endorse them. You want the doctor's endorsement, but the team endorsement's more powerful. 100%. You know, and, and, uh, and, and so the, and the patients have to really like them. Right. They're going to be fed some active patients and some new patients from the practice when they first come on board but they better start generating their own referrals. Yeah. Along with that by by creating wonderful experiences that the patients like and go home and tell their friends and family about. Yeah. So they they have to be successful at a variety of levels. They have to be coachable. Explain and, and, explain <clears throat> coachable. You know, cuz everybody's going to say I'm coachable. Right. We see a lot of young doctors who are not coachable, Okay. at least not at first, because they haven't had, they haven't gone bump in the night yet. Mm-hmm. Um, and so coachable to me is really simply having them be hungry to learn right. and open and coming with a mindset that, you know, I learned a lot in dental school, but I have so much more to learn. And I want to be in a position and in a practice culture where that's available and embraced. So you want the you want the candidate who's borderline gonna drive you half nuts with all their questions instead of the one who sits back and and never asks a question. Yeah. That yeah. person worries me. Yeah, absolutely. And I love what you're saying because 
This stuff is so important. So one of the core values we have here is always be growing. That's a non-negotiable. Somebody's got to be like into the growing piece. The second thing is, I'll say this on the benefit of the associate, because all of you are going to be searching for this opportunity and the word mentorship comes up. They go, oh, I'm willing to mentor. You have to ask, what does that look like? Is that in the hallway on your way to Florida? Or is that like a sit down regular process? Or are we just going to try to catch each other when we're super busy? You know, a real mentor is invested monthly, weekly. Like I'm going to sit down, we're going to review cases. We do them on Thursday mornings or Thursday afternoon. Don't you agree? Absolutely agree. So the owner's decision to add an associate is really comes along with a commitment to being willing to make their life more challenging in the early going with all the mentoring you're going to have to do. So you get the dividends and the rewards later, but you have to make that be willing to make that commitment. And that means it could mean Saturday morning meetings. It could, but it means meetings in the schedule. Right. And with topics in the schedule. Yeah. The, I love it. I love it. Now, I do have so many questions that, again, you guys can do the associate uh, feasibility, you know, analysis with Paul. But let's start at the very, I just have this question from the beginning. So let's say I'm practicing, you know, I'm a single doc. What are some key performance indicators that would, like, do you have any off the top of your head, like numbers of patients? Because I'm just going to say this. This is the reason why I asked the question. I see people building a facility. And they only have 1,400 or 1,300 patients. I'm like, so you're adding four more ops? Yes. Why? Well, for my for the associate. I'm like, the associate. So can I meet this? No, I don't have the associate. I'm like, you don't have the associate yet. But they they they. it's all in the field of dreams. Like, if you build it, they will come, you know? Sure. So do you have any performance indicators, some key benchmarks that let's just decide if you're a candidate from the get-go? You, you build the four ops only if you've identified a practice in the neighborhood that is available for you to purchase and merge into your suite. Mm. You know, so you grow 17 years worth over the weekend. Right. Um, but, but to have that grow slowly, uh, let's, let's use some numbers. If you have 1,300 to 1,500 active patients, and unless you're not going to, if you're going to cut back on your own schedule and time commitment, you could you could potentially add someone with that number of patients, but that's not big enough right? in a general practice. Same thing in a specialty practice. If you have a, if you have a nice referral base that, that beautifully feeds your solo practice, uh, that's, you're not ready for an associate yet. Uh, so you really want to, you really w- would have to add someone who's got some sparkle and, and substance uh, so that they can help grow the practice and expand the referral base. Yeah, absolutely. Um, yeah. Absolutely. Now, I, again, I just have, all, I, I mean, we can make this a three hour show. Let's say I'm a dentist and I don't want to put my whole foot in. I'm just going to put my toe in the water, you know, like where I've, I want to find an associate for two days a week or because you see these configurations where an associate is working somewhere else and you're going to go down that path. Any um, complications you'd call out right at the beginning or expectations we'd want to lay out? 
Oh, absolutely. Uh, and, and we see people doing that, especially through COVID and, and immediate post-COVID. Uh, there were lots of young dentists who had kind of cobbled a, work, a weekly work schedule together, right? And so they're working two days here, one day there, and so on. So people were available for that type of thing. But now it's very challenging to find somebody who can free up two days and give you the kind of focus and that person the kind of focus that's going to be required to begin building a role, an important role in that practice, yeah. even on a two-day basis. Let's, let's talk about that, too, because... Again, even if you're a solo practice, you know how this works. I've had solo docs go, yeah, I'm building my own practice and I got this location and I'm there two days a week. I'm like, well, you got to get over there as fast as possible. You can't build a growing practice. You got to be there. You got to have conversation. Same rule applies for an associate, correct? It does. It does. Absolutely does. It takes your focus. Right. And, uh, and, and that means time and time commitment. To be there and be visible, you can do creative things with schedules, but uh, I'm getting off into another topic here, but there are so many people also who have a really nice, sweet solo practice and who have colleagues who have four practice sites or six, and they say, I think I need another one. So they set up a satellite and and exactly what you just identified is what happens next. Mm -hmm. Because if they're going to add an associate and then and then try to do that expansion, the associate's not ready to help with that. They don't really understand uh, their role yet, and they don't really understand the practice culture. And uh, you can't you can only spread the owner so far. Right. And, and it, it, lots of failures in terms of multiple practice models. Yeah. And a number of good successes, of course, as well. Yeah, absolutely. So let's continue down that path. I mean, you're the engineer behind a lot of successful uh, adoptions of an associate. What are some other elements that you see that make this work when they do it well? When they do it well, the owner has has their own transition plan and life plan in place, and they've got their action steps and timetables. So they've got it late in the 10-year case that I mentioned that they're going to have a 10-year plan and uh, and action steps and timetables that need to take place during that 10 years to prepare them for their eventual exit. It may mean the addition of a doctor, another doctor. It could be over 10 years, the addition of two doctors. Right. But that's highly dependent on the success pattern of the first placement of the first doctor. Yeah. Um, so that that's a really important thing. They need to have a facility that's large enough to uh, to house the ne- the second doctor because you do not want to have a small facility bring in the second doctor and then split shift right because they're never there when you're there right and they'll never really understand wh- how the success was created yeah because they're in the off hours with the new team you know. Right now. And again, please, if you're listening, just listen to the bias here, because this is the cool thing. But it's my show. I can our show. So um, I've seen very few people that do that well. 
So they'll go, I work from seven to two. And then I have uh, another doctor who's an associate comes in and front works from two to seven or two to eight. So that way we capitalize on the utilization of our facility. Well, what happens ultimately is your production might grow a little bit, but you've got constant problems, you know, of, of the schedule, you know, had another team member quit yesterday and man, uh, you know, they're just not happy working a different schedule. And then there's a, there's a whole bunch of resistance from the night shift because they don't like the morning shift. You know, the morning shift, those, those people all get to pick up their kids. I come in here at two and I leave at 8 PM. So you got a little talk about front and back, not liking each other morning and night don't like each other either. Right. So um, I'm not saying it's impossible, but what that requires is an intense level of organization that goes beyond what most people would consider. That's exactly right. If you're wondering what to do inside a transition plan, always go back to putting the patient at the center of the model. Right. How will this, how will this impact our patients? So if you have a split shift, your patients are gonna have a very different experience if they come in on one shift or the other shift. It's not gonna be consistent, it's not gonna be comparable. Right. And you're not gonna grow the practice that way. So that, that's, that's why you would have to uh, either move and build out another suite, or if, you have, if you're fortunate enough to have adjacent space to appropriately, uh, not go overboard, but appropriately expand your suite and the lead time to do that, then you're then then you can do that. Yeah. I'm I'm a real big uh, fan of of uh, growth by acquisition as well. Yeah, I am too. I've had so many solo docs and multiple docs grow instantly. When you say grow over the weekend, I I have one doctor. I mean, that's how he's grown his practice. I think he's purchased four practices, yeah. and he's like every time I do it. It's, it's like a no brainer and he feeds it into yeah. his existing system really well. So um, I absolutely love that. So, you know, the other thing that we need to call out is um, when you're bringing in somebody else is to really identify the type of work, the quality of work, because this does happen too. Like I'm gonna keep all the good patients, you get all the lousy work and the lousy hours and the less desirable stuff. Now as you as the owner, you might be saying, well, that's your, that's your passage here. You gotta do that, because I had to do that. You know, so can you speak to that? Because I hear that conversation all the time. Yes, in a, uh, in a general practice, we're talking about the first year that the employee doctor is in the practice, the practice has to be strong enough to move 300 to 500 active patients or new patients in combination, but that total into the young doctor's schedule in a thoughtful way. And, um, and if you can't do that, then that's one indicator that you look at. If you can't do that without harming the host doctor's productivity and personal income, then you're not quite ready. Right. And uh, it, there are lots of other things to look at as well. Yeah. And so that would be one of the criteria that wasn't met in the initial adoption phase if we're not able to do that. And so the whole idea is that in this plan, it's a step-by-step -step, numbers need to be met. And then yeah. we get to have the next sit down, which is the equity play conversation. And that triggers the next series of events, correct? Right. 
Yeah, that's exactly right. But be, even before we get to that, Kirk, the owner bringing on in the solo practice, bringing on the young doctor has to have a financial reserve fund sitting there to be able to absorb the additional expenses for much of that first year that the new doctor's in, or they'll end up bringing somebody in if they're tight financially, they'll end up bringing somebody on board and, and after three, four months, regardless of the performance of the young doctor, they just look at themselves in the mirror one morning and say, oh my God, what have I done? Right. You right. know, I painted myself into a corner. So that's a that's a component as well that I wanted to mention. Yeah. Now you mentioned the why. Do you have a target for that? Because, you know, again, you're going to be subsidizing your salary for this new team member. Yes. Um, right. The other thing is you're probably going to add some costs. And if you're a solo doc, you already know this. Your accountant gives you a PL and l and goes, you're doing really good every year. And you go, oh, thanks, man. But where's the money? And they go, well, that's a whole other story because you got to pay taxes on all this. And all those all those loans that you have, those don't show up on this PL, you know, because uh, so those are things that you just have to you got to have your brain around the impact of a bigger financial model. Now, again, it's done really well. But the thing I would say is, I'll just piggyback on what you said, is that I see the same thing. The things that are done really well, it's a plan. They've got a third party, whether it be a coach or an accountant. Um, I, I use the seven doctor practice. I know really well. They have a Tuesday meeting and uh, it's with the accountant and the accountant puts them all in their place. There's another practice that's about an hour and a half south of here and they have a 10 doctor practice and they do the exact same thing. On a Wednesday, the accountant puts them all in their place and it's numbers, baby. It's all like the number, like leave your emotions at the door. We're going to get on the same page so that things uh, are, are, are co clearly communicated. Correct? Absolutely true. Um, one of the things that you need to, in, in the plan to add somebody to the practice, you need to calculate the ripple effect of what's, uh, and the impact of what that's going to do to the practice. For example, are you staffed strongly enough that you can absorb another doctor without adding additional team members? Typically, they have to add an, an assistant at a minimum. And then there's a ripple effect. As the practice continues to grow, you're going to add more people. Right. And, and, the, and that will uh, fan the flames of the growth. But there is definitely a ripple effect. How is, what kind of investment am I going to have to make in terms of updating some technology in the office to get ready to have that do other doctor come on board? Yeah. What are we going to have to be able and willing to spend on continuing education? Mm -hmm. uh, what are our new staffing costs going to look like? Yeah. And Lots of, there's a big checklist there. Big checklist, big checklist. And yeah. again, listen to this. I mean, somebody might be listening to this going, I'm not getting an associate. You guys scared the hell out of me. No, we're just trying to prepare you, you know, before you go down this path. And so the savings amount, you know, prior to the pandemic, we always used to say like, have at least three solid months of cash personally and a good year of cash for the business. And now, I mean, the pandemic changed a lot of things. Having cash on hand gives you the leverage for a lot of things. Another thing I would add, Paul, on this, and I've learned this the hard way, is that growth sucks cash. When you grow, you need cash. 
I thought, oh, when you reach this mile mark, man, it's going to be easy. Yes, there are some things that happen that are easier. And then you realize, wow, this animal eats a lot. And so we got to have more cash to be able to do what we want to do yeah. because the bank doesn't say yes as much. And you've already learned, like, I didn't, I like cash, having cash in it. And then lastly, you pointed to something that I think is just important just to add to the checklist is that once you go down this path, it's really hard to pivot back. So for instance, you have four ops, you're doing 1.5 million. You're keeping close to half of it. You're loving it. It's great. Then you're like, ah, we're growing like crazy. I'm going to add four more ops. So now we're at eight, you know, and then maybe you get that associate's working well. And you're like, I'm going to add another one. So let's go to 12 operatories. And then you got to be ready to play the game at a whole nother level, which means your stomach lining's got to be a whole lot tougher because there's a good chance, no matter how much you work with Paul, it's still a little bit of an organ transplant. And let me explain. Paul gets all the conditions right. We find the kidney that's going to fit in the body. Sometimes the body doesn't take the kidney. Now, that's not a great analogy, but sometimes you get where I'm going with this is like, now, now you've built the two, the three doctor practice and forever it's going to be a three doctor practice until you yeah. hand over the keys. So you just got to be prepared for that whole thing. And, um, and you know, you could find the greatest situation ever, but you know, it's, it's, it's like a transplant, you know, no, no doctor will say, yeah, this works every time or I'm hundred percent successful. There's always room for error and you got to be okay with that room. And that's why the cash and the plan work. I like it. I, I, I agree with it. Now, I, there's not, you know, there's not even a question there, but like, I want to know, like from your perspective, I mean, you guys that are listening, I get to spend a lot of time with Paul. So we've already gone down these paths and he's helped me so many times with doctors that I care about. Um, but are there any other thoughts or cautionary tales? And again, not trying to scare you, just trying to prepare you as you look at this road ahead. When I ask the question, should I add an associate? You have to have a plan and you will be able to, in doing that, we help people do an assessment of their readiness uh, to be able to add somebody effectively. But then you have to have that plan in place. You could, you could find a great person that fits your practice culture beautifully. And if you don't have your plan in place, it may not work. Right. You know, Let's let me just say this also. A successful transition is absolutely achievable. Yes. It's available to you. Um, and you just have to be careful and cautious and, and make good selections and have a good plan together that is connected to your life plan. Um, and, and you've got to be in a position where you, you personally are ready financially and psychologically. You're, you're ready to do this. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. That's very well said, Paul. Like you guys, you can do this. You know, you're going to want to do it from a position of strength where you, yes. you've got the cash, you've got the plan. I'm going to highly suggest that you sit down with Paul and do the analysis with him because he'll call it out. And Paul's a straight shooter and you create this plan. Now, let me say one more thing about the word plan because you just hit a trigger for me, Paul. Yes. Dentists don't like plans. They talk treatment plans, but most dentists I've met plan their vacations 
more than they plan their lives, you know, in their businesses. You ask them about a vacation, they're going to tell you, oh, I'm going to Barcelona. We're going to be there for two days. We're going to stay in a hotel where I already got the hotels. I'm going to say, and then we fly in the morning flight the next day. We're going to go over here and I'm like, wow, that's quite the plan. Oh, it's amazing. And then we're going to write, blah, blah, blah. they tell you every detail of the plan. So right. what's your plan for your life? Not sure. You know, so like having a plan for your life is a good one. And uh, my hope for your plan in your life is that when you do go down the path as an associate, like you don't need the money to sell the practice. It's just going to be the gravy on top of it. So if anything goes bad, and that's a whole nother podcast that Paul and I did, but I love this profession so much. I love the people in it. And you're walking into the greatest profession ever if you're a young dentist. Yeah. But if you heard anything, I hope you heard this. You got to have a plan. You got to have somebody auditing the plan. The plan's got to hit its KPIs. It's got to hit its triggers. Don't wing it. Winging it is not a good idea. So, Paul, how do how do people get in touch with you to do the associate feasibility analysis? Go on our website, the, the Sletton Group, Inc., and... Uh, take a look at what we do and who we are and our, what our philosophies are in terms of working with the dental profession. And I would be happy to have a conversation with you uh, at no fee, of course, uh, to just learn about what you're thinking about and, and what you're pondering for your future. You know, I talked about having a plan an awful lot today you can have, you, might, you have to have a flexible plan. You don't have to have a rigid plan. And that builds some comfort into it. Because when we think about, about putting a rigid plan together, it really locks us in. Yeah. And it, and it feels like we're in a straitjacket sometime. Right. Sometime. When I was a kid, that's how I learned how to set goals. They were really rigid. Yeah. And that was the paradigm of the day. And uh, so the, the very act of planning uh, uh, includes flexibility. Yeah. And just point, point out some things that are important when it comes to that flexibility. Go a little deeper on that. So if I'm putting a plan together, what might be included in that flexibility? So if I'm going to put a 10-year, if we're going to put a 10-year plan together with our client, it's not going to be my plan. It's going to be their plan, first of all. Secondly, there are going to be some approximations in that 10-year plan. By the second or third year, we want to be in this position. Mm -hmm. You know, well, first of all, that's not the way we plan. You begin, as you know so well, you go out 10 years and you say, How, where do I want to be on my last day here? What do I want the practice to look like? Uh, what, am I, what am I leaving? behind in terms of the possibility of great success for my successors uh, and, and, and my great team that I've worked with this entire time uh, and, and those kinds of things. And then you say, okay, if I'm going to be that far in 10 years, how far would I have to be in nine years or in eight years or seven, six, five, four? And that's how we plan. Yep. We, can't, we can't try to begin a plan looking at what to do next week without some kind of concept of why it's important. Yeah. Love it. You know, and, and that makes planning fun. It does. It does. So Paul, I can't thank you enough. Thanks for being on here, brother. You're always adding insight and help to everybody in the Actinal community. So appreciate you, my friend. Appreciate you as well. Great to be with you.
So great to be with you. So I know you're going to go out and enjoy the, the great weather today and get some golf in. But if you guys are listening, make sure you check out Paul's uh, website. Do the associate feasibility analysis. If you weren't taking notes, don't worry. We're taking notes for you. You can flip up to the show notes in any podcast listening uh, vehicle that you're using, Spotify, Stitcher, iTunes. All the notes will be there. You can just click right on it. It'll take you directly there and make sure you check it out. Keep sending us suggestions for things that you guys want to see. I want this to be your podcast. I mean, I'm the host of it. I like doing it, but I want to talk about things that you want to talk about. So I get them all the time from you guys. We're lining them up on uh, anything uh, in, in, in relationship to your practice. And I'm going to have Paul back over and over and over again. So until we see you guys next time, or you hear from us next time, keep watching or keep listening to the best practices show. You guys enjoy your day. So there you have it. Another great episode. Hope you guys enjoyed it. Hey, and thank you for showing up. I just want to thank you for being here and sharing the good word with your friends. And if you're really enjoying the podcast, could you do me a favor? Could you go to wherever you consume the podcast and just give us a four or five star review? Here's what that does. It allows us to find other great people like you. I love this profession so much. I'm going to spend the rest of my professional life finding great information so that you can consume it and your friends can consume it so that you can create a better practice and a better life. So keep spreading the word and we will see you guys soon. Have a great day, everybody.